You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Hey people, how are you going? Here we are, 8 o'clock once again. Um, our weekly little visit into the world of soft tissue therapy. Uh, my name is Matt Phillips. I am your host for the Sports Therapy Association videocast and podcast and also the creator of runchatlive.com. Calm, calm, calm. So um, really excited um, if you have kept up with this this month, um, five Tuesdays in um, this month. So we um, are having five guests from the world of CPD, which is happening either in March or April in the UK. Um, and before we bring up um, the finale, I think I'll refer to him as we've put him, I said he's got to come at the end because it really is the cherry on the cake, as he's often referred to. Um, Jack March is going to be with us um, shortly. But before I do that, obviously, I'm going to have to just let you know he like that. He's smiling away, the cherry on the cake. Um, we, how do we start off back way, way back at the beginning of the month? We had um, Mike Rice and Daniel Williams talking about dermoneuromodulation, which I appreciate is a mouthful. And I almost feel guilty talking about it with my students um, and learners because it sounds like it's a name that's I mean no offense to Diane Jacobs but she created it 20 years ago so at the time it wasn't cool to come up with long names it wasn't a marketing thing she just thought well that's exactly what's happening dermo neuromodulation but these days it sounds like some catchy name but it's not it really is I think as we described in the show it's essentially the best idea that we've got of the mechanism of action of what we're doing when we touch people and the effect we're having on the nervous system with the skin. Um, it's a fantastic testimony to the great mind of Diane Jacobs kind of 25 years later after she came up with it, after kind of working with the likes of Lorna Mosley and David Butler and that. Um, and it's something that um, sadly this month in March, it's over. It's been in Birmingham, it's been in Exeter, but there is still the uh, June um, level two, which is for people who've already got an idea what it is. Um, and you can still book onto that uh, by getting in touch with Mike Grice or going to Movement Therapy Education on Google. Um, you've got June in Birmingham and, um, and then the weekend, June the 10th, so the week after June the 4th, you've got three days in Exeter with James Morgan of Barefoot Physio. Um, what do we have afterwards? The week after that, um, Jack, if you're down there, lobby, you may as well have a cup of tea, mate. It's going to take a little bit of time. But um, we had Pete Maliaris, um, absolute, um, I don't like to say a guru, absolute giant in the name of tendinopathy and research and has been around forever um one of the people definitely i started improving my knowledge of tendinopathy with and he came with us and uh talked about his um courses which unfortunately again are over you missed it but if you go to his website um tendinopathyrehab.com and subscribe okay you've missed the courses this time around but there's so much information there you've got blogs podcasts so much free cpd and if you sign up you'll, be, you'll get news of when he's coming back to the uk so um yeah that was a great episode and all of these episodes i'm talking about obviously are available on all podcast apps to download and listen to in the pleasure of your own time or if you like watching video you can go to youtube the sports therapy association youtube channel and you can watch the video there or you can go to the sta.co.uk and you can see all the show notes and everything there as well the week after we uh, talked to the wonderful greg layman who was here talking about reconciling biomechanics with pain science which is a course which i hosted way back when 2000 and whenever it was years ago in brighton and since it's just um well i think i can't remember now it's been in something like five continents and I don't know how many different countries, 50 countries and translated into 
I don't know how many languages, but an amazing course, which um, I'm obviously biased, but it really ticks my boxes of just helping therapists not either say it's all about pain science. It's all about the biomechanics. It's just showing how the two obviously fit together and you can't separate them because in human beings, you can't separate the bio from the psycho and the social and all that sort of stuff. It's what we are. So really nice bloke great um source of information and again if you can't make it over to cork um in ireland on april the second and third uh, which is when his course in the uk is then there's so much information at uh, greglayman.ca the website so much free stuff on youtube and if you like a little bit of comedy injected into your learning then that's probably a great way to go we then had last week um Angie Jackson, or Angela Jackson, um, which again was just amazing um, chat. Uh, it was really nice for me because like the guest tonight, Jack, I know pretty much back to front and I know I'm not going to get any surprises, um, but you know, I'm just being here for you. But Angie is someone new who I've never talked to before. So that really was really great fun for me. And it just reminded me how thrilling it is and how important it is to meet people who you haven't talked to before. I'm joking about Jack. Jack is an uh, absolute source of inspiration for me and the whole Physio Matters podcast team and everything they put together in Choose Health put me help kind of forge my way forwards and where I wanted to go. So, um, but yeah, Angie was a, a lovely breath of fresh air and the information she gave with regards to how to work with the younger population, some real clinical pearls, as Jack Chu would say, um, and an episode which I would catch up with if you are treating um, younger children, young adults, uh, young adults, um, because it's something which is just not on our courses. It's the same kind of thing as, you know, thinking that women are little men, it's not true. It's a totally different population in lots of respects. And same thing goes for kids. They're not little adults. And just because you can treat a six foot person doesn't mean you can automatically just size it down into a three foot person. Doesn't work that way. So um, check that out. Right. That was and you think that would be enough. I mean, I was thinking today when I was going for a run, what other show gives you kind of four fantastic speakers like that in month weekly? It's just ridiculous. In fact, I think it's too much personal. I'm going to have to talk to Gary because it's just not doing these guests any favors. It's, it's so much information. And on top of that, we're now having a fifth um, guest, um, which, like I said, is just the finale, which is just going to be the cherry on the cake, who's going to come up very shortly. So like I say, all those episodes are available on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And if you want to join us live, then it's eight o'clock on Tuesdays. Um, every week we've done it for 94 times now this will be people already in the house as i've been talking away glenn murphy's with us when you do come and join us live and i can bring whatever comments or questions you've got up onto the screen so you can't see this on the podcast but glenn murphy just come up um with his logo there brian huxley is here thanks for joining us phil griffiths is here Catherine reimer is here happy birthday Catherine. hope you're very well um who else what andy glavel there's a lot of people in here jack i don't want to scare you but seem to have turned up expecting quite a lot uh daniel williams who was our guest on the first week is here as well hey danny how are you doing on 140 runs in 140 days or something if you're not following daniel make sure you are uh leslie campbell hope you've had a glass of fizz in your hand Catherine. leslie campbell's lovely you should follow leslie uh for pure um just feeling feel good value um and gary benson founder of the sports therapy association is here as well in the oh and also liz bailey physio has joined us Jack, you're pulling in the uh, the A team today. Liz is with us as well. Um, great guest recently, Matt. I know Liz. I mean, it was you know you were. I don't know how long ago you were now, but you set a benchmark, and I've managed to stay close to it. So thanks for joining us, Liz. I'm um, looking forward to hear some questions for you from Jack. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so there we go. Right, we've had enough chat now. Um, thanks for joining us. If you're listening to the podcast, so without further ado, I should bring up the man of the hour, who is Mr. Jack March. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey mate, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. That was a very, lots of very nice compliments in your introduction. Um, well, I, I'm a big fan of yours, mate. We've, we've go back quite a long way, I think. And um, you've, you were part of Unchat Live from the very beginning, along with Jack and the PhysioMatters podcast team. Um, I remember been... insulting you a long, a long time ago. Do you remember that? <laughs> you were... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you voted. You did vote, yeah, out of 100 and I don't know how many episodes you voted my and Tom Goom's episode as your least favourite. Yeah, a which... slight exaggeration. I think it was about 15 at the time, but yeah. No, no, I think I find you into the hundreds and oh, you okay. put us at the bottom. Is, is that right? But that's okay. That's cool. That's okay. I like you because you're honest. Um, it's a good trait. So um, I just wanted to say, well, before we start talking about rheumatology, um, Looking forward to the, I just saw it on LinkedIn today, the 24-hour podcast with oh, um, <laughs> with Jack Chu. How, for those of you who don't know, Jack Chu is kind of like the creator of Chu's Health and also uh, the PhysioMats podcast. And Jack is kind of his right-hand man behind every Jack. There's a Jack March and you're the guy who holds it all together. So one of your recent things is this 24-hour podcast. Tell me a little bit about that. What's the idea behind it? When's it happening? Yeah, so I'll start on this Saturday, 3 p.m., our time england time um and it will go three to three p.m on sunday and jack will be live for the entire 24 hours um yeah i know so we have done 99 monthly episodes of the physio matters podcast and we basically decided we should probably stop at some point and we're going to finish on a 24-hour insane podcast we want to be mad so we're going to be mad we're going to raise money for freehab.co.uk um, which is um, a social enterprise who provide rehab to uh, people for free. So it's supported by charity funding. Um, so we're going to raise money for that. Um, so you, uh, there's two ways to do it, direct donation and also buying raffle tickets for courses. Um, so it's like £20 for a raffle ticket. And, and you mentioned, mentioned um, some courses and stuff, but there are one of my courses is on there and um, Eric Mira and joe gibson to mention some i try not to remember um but yeah it's really it's really good um it should be really funny we've got an absolute ton of our past guests coming on so every half an hour for the entire 24 hours even through the middle of the night we've got um yeah what could possibly go wrong becky yeah um a lot is the answer to that question um so yeah a new guest every 30 minutes i think liz is going to be on i think liz is coming liz is in, in the chat um every half an hour we'll have a new guest to speak to and all sorts of things we've also got some challenges for jack to do whilst he's staying awake for 24 hours and talking so yeah it should be really good amazing yeah it's like every hundred pound that you raise um for free hab um is like jack's got a little envelope or something he's got to open it he's up got a little envelope. Like a... A challenge, oh, yeah. Amazing. Because if you don't know Jack Chu, he really is kind of famous for being the mouth of the North, uh, <laughs> Mank Lad. Um, so Gift of the Gab. He's kind of like, if you remember the word with Terry Christian, ah, Terry, it's kind of like took over from Terry Christian, but rather than music, it was about kind of like uh, physiotherapy. But also a real leader in recognising and helping the breaking down of barriers between professions. Um, and although it started off as the physiotherapy um, or the Physio Matters podcast, it was soon became apparent, probably one of the first people who started realising, hold on, why are we going to all the physios? Healthcare isn't just physios. And you started having people from all different, um, including myself, which was nice, still probably the only sports therapist that's been on the show and the last one. So I don't know what that meant. But um, yeah, so that's this Saturday. And I'm actually number two. I'm after Elaine Miller. So that's going to be tricky. Um, I'm just trying to think how we can wreck Jack within the first five um, between kind of, yeah, three o'clock and onwards i've got a few ideas anyway 
Great idea, mate. As always, um, setting the barrier, setting the new kind of like threshold for entertainment and education. <laughs> so, um, oh, Liz is here as well. Yeah, Liz says, hey, I'm chatting with you at 11 p.m. Oh, wow, you're leave, doing the late shift, are you, Liz? Fantastic. That'll keep his eyes open. Fantastic. Um, that's a good idea, actually, putting some Liz Bailey in at 11 o'clock. That'll give him kind of a second wind. Um, you're good at giving people second wind. I don't even know what that means. Right, okay, enough of this. Um, we are now going to talk about rheumatology. Now, you were a guest back 50 weeks ago, I think, 51 weeks ago, um, with kind of a rheumatology 101. And I'm hoping that in 50 weeks, people have either forgotten some of the things you said, or in the kind of couple of thousand people, um, thanks everyone downloading the podcast, actually. We've had a kind of a bit of a burst this last um, month. I think it's because we're doing these regular um, topics every month, but we're definitely well into the 2000 plus now. So thank you everyone downloading it. Um, yeah, rheumatology. I would like people in the room and don't be embarrassed. Just type something. No one's going to see this. Um, what, how would you define rheumatology people in the room? I mean, we're not going to tell you the answer yet. I just want to see you type in there. If somebody says, what is it? If, if a patient of yours said, what is rheumatology anyway? Catherine, Liz, Becky, what would you say to them? Oh, well, that's an interesting topic. I'll tell you tomorrow or something, but <laughs> right. Let, type let please. Yeah. Google. <laughs> Exactly. If you just like to lie down on the couch, we'll be back in a second. I'll get you a glass of water (laughs) in Google, which is fine. That's how it works. But yeah, it's um, it's not that obvious, is it? I mean, we were talking about this offhand and Jack, you said, I'm not even sure I've got an answer. It's very broad. Giving people the answer, isn't it? Very broad. Is anything going to come in, people? Are you just bricking it already and thinking I don't want to embarrass myself on social media? This is why I'm so pleased people download this and don't just join us live. <laughs> no one's going to have a go. They're refusing. Not even Bailey's with a Y. Two Ys has gone in there with. Oh, it's probably because all Googling it. Okay, this is not podcast entertainment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so what would what do you think some of the interpretations of what rheumatology is? What have you heard maybe on courses or your understanding what people think it is compared to what you would therefore say Mm. is i think um i think there's a few assumptions about what rheumatology is i think um a lot of people would just say it's looking after people with arthritis types um but then probably in some ways would forget or ignore osteoarthritis in that um which would be an odd one so i think it's very heavily weighted towards um arthritis Mm um and i think that generally would be what it is i think a lot of people assume that or think that um, a lot of the diseases are very destructive to the joints and lead to a lot of disability and lead to lots of problems um so i think they think it's quite a severe type of issue to be dealt um if that makes sense um and a lot of people probably have no idea whatsoever um look after probably say, a lot of most people would say probably look after a rheumatoid arthritis or something similar like that because it's in the name um but yeah i think otherwise it is difficult because it like as i said it's so broad so um defining it is is really really a challenge to define sort of it as a specialty really okay so it's a bit of a leading question mm. but i think it's probably one of those things of maybe what it's not or realizing it's it's broader than what people might think so what have we had here thank you people answer by the way um like i say no one i know about it andy glover has said it's a collection of inflammatory conditions okay so the word inflammation is in there so that's pretty broad um Catherine has expanded a little bit an in inflammatory response to the joints depends on what it is nice one Catherine, leaving yourself open there 
And then Liz Bailey has just bailed out. Just like that pun. Liz Bailey's bailed out with I've done Jack's course. It just wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair, would it, Liz? No, it wouldn't be fair at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it does probably. I mean, what we're going to be talking about tonight is how a lot of people come into the clinic, particularly somebody who's offering massage, sports massage, deep tissue massage. Quite a large percentage of that population may well be suffering from some kind of rheumatologic or rheumatologic or rheumatic condition and not even know about it. And it may go undiagnosed for quite a long time. So talk to me a little bit about that. Why is it so easy for people to have something which needs diagnosing, but they don't get to know about it for a while? Yeah, and I suppose there's two answers to this question, really, and I'll just get a bit out of the way first. So some of some of some stuff that comes under rheumatology isn't coming into our clinics. It's not presenting with musculoskeletal problems. Um, there are types of inflammatory disorder that affect the blood vessels and um, the skin, um, the lungs um, and different bits and bulbs like that. So, you know, no one's coming in for a sports massage because their kidneys aren't working properly. Um, that'd be really weird. Uh, or if they had ulcers on their fingers, that would be really quite strange. But um, so we, look, we are going to talk mostly about the ones which have a musculoskeletal association to them. That's what I sort of specialise in or try to specialise in. Um, and one of the, that's the real problem is they present with musculoskeletal symptoms. So um, if we take the two uh, most sort of, or the ones that I talk about the most, which would be spondylitis and rheumatoid arthritis so they're going to those two conditions rheumatoid arthritis is going to present with joint pains um swelling redness maybe some stiffness uh, and spondylitis is going to present predominantly with the, with back pain or tendon pain or a combination of the two and you know if we were to get people people to write down how many how many patients today did they see who had either back pain or tendon pain it's going to be quite a few of them um, so we're taking all those patients that we see with those common issues and then we're recognising that underneath it's something else that's causing it. So let's take tendons, for example, you, off air, you mentioned plantar fasciitis, you know, it's pretty common. Um, someone starts a running programme, their heel starts to hurt. You know, we might we all see tons of those types of patients, but that could be the first presentation of something like psoriatic arthritis, for example. Um, so it, it's it's presenting with that. And then what we then the sort of where the knowledge gaps are really is what are the other signs symptoms features of those kinds of diseases that uh, we're not assessing for or we don't understand the association let's say uh, with that so um, for example let's say let's say we've got two patients what they've both got the exact same left heel pain um, plantar fasciitis they both started a running program four weeks ago um, they're both the same age, both everything else is the same. Um, but one of those patients has psoriasis. Then if you're not asking about skin conditions, then you may well miss that the second patient has psoriatic arthritis. They may not. They may have psoriasis and plantar fasciitis, um, which is load related. But if you're not asking, you don't know. And there are ways of doing that. And there are things that will increase the risk of them having that systemic inflammatory disorder versus just having a um, um, plantar fasciitis, for example. And it is complex, you know, um, rheumatologists exist for a reason. They only see these conditions and they're, even they get it wrong on occasion. And it is, there is very challenging. They very overlap a lot. Um, it's very difficult to pin down, especially even when I was working in rheumatology and it was my job to differentially diagnose these patients, I'd still go to the rheumatologist 
one in four, one in five times and go, I know it's a problem. <laughs> I don't know which problem it is. <laughs> and often it takes a few a uh, few visits to work to real nail, really nail down what the specifics are. So it, it is a challenge and it is difficult. Um, but I think as people who see mainly musculoskeletal issues, um, obviously I mostly talk to people, physiotherapists, um, osteopaths, chiropractors, especially these days in FCP roles, um, but also massage therapists, sports therapists. Um, I would be saying, you know, if it, those types of problems, if you're seeing back pain, tendon pain, you need to know other types of signs and symptoms that we need to look for because um if it, there are delays to diagnosis we can come to talk about that later um but also your treatment's not going to work so um it's it's about knowing who to who to refer back out again you know the only the equivalent i call these these conditions red flags um hopefully everybody's familiar with a, with a red flag condition you know it's not um it's not cord requiner syndrome. It's not a fracture. It's not cancer, but it's not a musculoskeletal problem either. It needs medically managing when it's undiagnosed. Um, so it's not for us as musculoskeletal type therapists um, to be dealing with in the early stages. If they need to go to a rheumatologist in most cases, most cases. Right. There's a lot there to unpack. Sorry, that was a lot, wasn't it? No, it's great. And there's so much there which is relevant to us. So, um, so I like the way you said in your in your role, even you were going to kind of your superiors or to a rheumatologist. Uh, I know there's a problem here. I don't know what it is, but something's going on because that's kind of what sports therapists, sports massage therapists, anybody who is al- allowing people to pay them for a solution to their pain or discomfort. You, you really need to be like you say, you don't have to treat these things it's outside of your scope of practice, but recognizing them. And that's been a common theme um, amongst all of our guests um, who work, for example, pelvic health and other big areas, which goes with um, lack of proper diagnosis for maybe eight, 10 years. And although we're not going to treat um, some pelvic health disorder on men or women, just asking the right questions and sending them the right way. So rheumatology kind of fits into that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, also you mentioned psoriasis. Now, psoriasis is something which sports massage therapists are going to be super professional on because they've got to think twice before they're rubbing somebody's arm and it's covered in something which looks a bit innocuous and kind of so that's something which is taught a lot in sports massage and knowing your contraindications and, and all that sort of stuff and um but i don't think well i know that on a, a course specification there's not that link between psoriasis and some other kind of symptom and definitely nobody would be aware of what you said it so beautifully, psoriatic, yeah, psoriatic arthritis would be. I mean, I don't think those two words come together. That's going to be new for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So go back to kind of that person who came in. Let's imagine you you know their psoriasis because that's going to be on your medical par queue. That's going to be like, do you suffer from any skin complaints? Not for the right reasons, but you're going to be asking about that. How do you, what other things should you be looking out for maybe be having on your par queue? to identify not just psoriasis, but psoriatic arthritis. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try and do this really quickly. So it takes me about an hour on my classes. So <laughs> um, so what you're looking for, and I, I apologise, I'm going to skate over some of this, but we're going to start to look for what I would call an inflammatory pattern to symptoms. So um, the with inflammation, it causes a certain... Um, type of symptoms to be present so we're often looking at symptoms that are worse in the morning 
um, associated with with joint stiffness or stiffness of the area, uh, which tends to be worse in the morning, tends to take at least 30 minutes, if not an hour plus uh, to ease. Um, so it's not by the time I've walked downstairs, I feel better. It's really protracted. These people are getting to work uh, before it's starting to ease off, for example. Um, a really good response to anti-inflammatory medications. Um, it will often wake them in the second half of the night. And patients had a patient um, last week, really specific. The guideline, well, the guidelines, but the definition of, of inflammatory waking is between 2 and 3 a.m. And this lady said to me, I wake every night between 2 and 3 a.m. And I went, tick, <laughs> off you go to a rheumatologist. But it's so waking in the second half of the night. So we often talk about night pain as a red flag, but this is very specific night pain and they wake at 2 or 3 a.m and they have to get out of bed to move around to ease that off um, and the other thing is that it's better with activity and not improved by rest so we think back to the um plantar fasciitis patient that we talked about how many plantar fasciitis patients do you see who improve when they go for a walk or improve when they go running and their, their foot is not better when they raise it up on the couch but that is flipped in in something like psoriatic arthritis and um, so they like walking around they like being in the gym they like doing things it keeps their foot much more mobile it keeps the pain down and then when they rest they get this they get a, a return of symptoms so a combination of those um, symptoms are often present with psoriasis as well so we're talking about um cutaneous psoriasis that you mentioned so psoriasis of the skin would be on the forms uh, but it's i'm I am interested in cutaneous psoriasis, but if they've got psoriasis that affects their nails, then okay. that makes it much more likely that they'll get an inflammatory arthritis. So what I what I would say to people is someone comes in, they say they've got psoriasis and tendon pain and they're seeing you for a tendon pain, then ask them about their nails um, and whether they get any changes in their nails. And there are good pictures on the Internet. Uh, just type in psoriatic nail into the uh, into google and it shows you some good pictures of what you're looking at but the nails become brittle and um, they get stripy and they break off from the nail bed um, so it's things like that to increase it um, there are also other associated inflammatory conditions things like crohn's colitis um iritis and uveitis which are inflammatory um, issues of the eye uh, and family history as well of, of inflammatory arthritis but I think those things are important as well but when you've got someone in so let's say we've got that person in with the plantar fasciitis and the psoriasis I want to know okay is this the first time you've had a problem with tendon because I think where we miss a lot of this and this is not I know this is not sports therapists this is everybody this is physios gps orthopedics you name it we're all missing it is that people are getting either recurrent tendon problems or they're getting multi-site tendon problems and they're going from therapist to they're having they're going getting some therapy feel a bit better go and get an injection feel a bit better they do whatever they feel a bit better and it waxes and wanes but what you'll find is if you have any of these patients is oh uh, i've got plantar fasciitis now but six months ago i had tennis elbow and six months before that, I had lateral hip pain and they put it down every time. It's like I started a new running thing. I moved house. I did this, that and the other. And what you see is that they're getting these multiple sites. So I'm less concerned if they've had recurrent plantar fasciitis in the same foot. But if it's moving around the body, that's becoming uh, more suspicious to me. So I we've, I'd steal this from Andrew Cuff, it's a clinical reasoning seesaw. Stuff makes things more likely and less likely. And I, what I say on, is the psoriasis makes it more likely, 
if it happens more than once, it makes it more likely. But if it's happening at more joints, then it's more likely. And then if it's happening across more limbs, then it's more likely. So both feet versus both elbows, uh, one foot, one elbow, you're bouncing around. So it's about, okay, I, I think what a lot of people do is they go, I've got this amount of time for my appointment. Oh, it's this barn door plantar fasciitis. They've got heel pain, got worse after they did some activity, and now it's really sore. Um, they go, oh, barn door plantar fasciitis, and then they stop because they've made their diagnosis in inverted commas. And, um, and, and they don't go, even if they asked about the psoriasis and they were like, oh, well, it's only one off, one off, uh, you know, it's only one joint, it's not multiple joints. Um, and they might even treat it and it might even get a bit better. But what they've missed is this three, four, five, six history of other tendon problems in the past. And all you're doing is, in fact, are you even treating it or did it just get better? Uh, and you've no idea, you know, you've no idea whether it just got better if, if, if it was psoriatic arthritis or not really. Um, and it's, you know, certainly not down to me to make that diagnosis, not down to us. Um, we need to get those kinds of patients to rheumatology, really, to make that definitive answer. Brilliant. So, yeah, once again, so much um, to to note down there. People, I hope, I know people in the room today, obviously, they come here with their pens and paper. They've got little books called Sports Therapy Association Podcast, and they make chapters <laughs> and things. They're really dedicated. But if you listen to the podcast, and that's the joy, you can stop and record these things because they're so important. Because as a sports massage therapist, whatever level you are, your teacher your instructor is probably telling you don't forget about the subjective make sure you ask some questions ask them enough questions and you'll tell you how to fix them and but it's still i think kind of just done kind of going through the motions because you can't wait to see if it's plantar fasciitis or see if it's this or that because you're focusing always on basically ways you've been taught to cure kind of structural things but like you say, looking at sleep, it's such a big thing. We learn on most courses, red flag, you mentioned red flags, but it's just the same old five, which you're probably never going to see. Cardioquine, you're probably not going to see cancer and stuff. And even pelvic health issues, it's probably more common, but serious stuff. I hope you do see them because you're going to make a massive difference. <laughs> but so you get a bit lazy, but by asking the questions, are you are you actually sleeping properly? No, not really. Why? What's happening? And like you say, if they're waking up at a specific time, you know, then that could well be linked to some kind of inflammatory condition. Um, and the nails one was brilliant as well, you know, and having a little conversation about anything else which is going on or looking at your patient while they're talking and seeing. Um, yeah, real, real eye openers. And it really excites me because it gives I champion the massage industry, not because I think massage is really effective. I mean, massage can help calm down the nervous system and it can make people feel better. It gives people a chance to lie down and get away from life. But my biggest reason for championing the industry I started off is because they're going to come and see us first of all, probably. Um, and they've got this relationship with us. If they allow you, if they disrobe in front of you and allow you to lay their hands on their back while they're face down with their head in a hole, then they probably trust you quite a lot, you know? So you're going to get to see people whose lives you could change by pushing them in the right direction and they're going to listen to you. So. Yeah. I think, I think like, with, um, especially massage therapy as well, if you look at the research in rheumatology, the patients love it. So once mm. you've been diagnosed, it's not a red flag anymore because you know what's going on and, um, re they really, really enjoy it and find it really useful. Um, to manage symptoms and pain and comfort and stiffness and this sort of thing. And I think if you're, um, I spoke to 
uh, rival podcast, Matt Scarsbrook and uh, the Massage. He's Man. no rival. He's just yeah, someone so else who tries. Pretend, yeah. Just a pretender, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scarsbrook, um, yeah. And uh, Matt, he made a really good point, actually, in massage therapy is if you've got the patient who comes into you and you say to them, look, I'm concerned that this might be what's going on. And it's not my job to di- differentiate that out, but I want to go and see your GP or who, who, whoever's most appropriate to do that. And just get it checked before we go any further. And then the patient goes and they ha- have got psoriatic arthritis for the sake of argument's sake. They're, the trust they will have in you as a, as a clinician, the odds of them not coming back to you is quite low, I, in my opinion, I think. Whereas with physiotherapists, for example, you know, I can't do massage to save my life. So I, exercise is my only, the only, I have one tool, it's a hammer and it's exercise. And if it doesn't work, I've got nothing really. Um, and I, uh, you know, I just don't think it works so well. But I think with, with the long-term conditions, especially, uh, I think, like you said, I think you can make a big difference to these people with regards to their symptom management. Uh, and if they have that trust, whereas if you were to say, let's get, let's flip it and say, you try and treat them for four or five sessions, nothing happens or it's deteriorating. Um, and then suddenly they get, they're like, oh, it was getting worse. I went to my GP and now they think I've got this arthritis and you missed it. I'm being harsh, but you know, they're never coming back after that. Do you know what I mean? And I think, like you said, that spending that time to understand the questions, what you're asking questions for. And I think that's really key. There was a conversation on social media the other day about uh, prior health screening, and it's understanding why you're asking specific questions. And I said, absolutely, psoriasis, if you're going to rub the area, um, but understanding why other reasons why you might be asking about psoriasis or pelvic health or X, Y, and Z or gut issues. So there's a couple of questions about gut issues. Mm. Uh, why are you asking that question? And what does it mean in the context of the symptoms that are presenting? Um, and, you know, it's hard, not gonna, you know, I worked in rheumatology for the best part of a decade, then carried on teaching and I still learning tons of stuff. I was on a webinar before we came on here, learning about bloods. It's not easy, it's complex, but the, trying to learn a little bit, especially if like, like, you know, we're just talking now, if you are a lower limb specialist, for example, then, you know, looking at things like psoriatic arthritis, gout, um, etc. is going to be really helpful. You can narrow that down a little bit. If you mostly see backs looking at ankylosing spondylitis, axial spar, those kinds of conditions, it's going to really help um, and trying to learn as much as you can, really. And I know probably our other guests have been saying the similar thing, try and learn as much as you can about my specialty, learn as much as you can about my specialty. Um, so it is, you get pulled all over the place. I only have to learn one thing. I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely. And the other thing, like you said, patients going to really respect you and they're probably going to come back to you. And also the other thing is the if you there's I did go through a stage where I was worried because I was basically telling people how to have less patience. It felt like, you know, if they don't need to come back, don't say that they need to come back for eight sessions. It's just not ethical and blah, blah, blah. And the kind of traditional business model failed because it was like many companies based on the idea every patient we see six times make an average of this and we can pay this and blah 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 but you can't do it like that because you're not treating the individual but the new business model which and when we do a, a focus on business in as part of the sports therapy association podcast i'm not sure what month it'll be but we will do a, a focus on business because it is a business this new part of forming a real important part of a, a chain in healthcare where you're talking the same language as the rheumatologist as the gp as these people you're referring out to as the pelvic health spe- uh, specialist if they know that you're on the same page 
they're going to start sending people your way for massage, sports therapy, maybe some exercise prescription of some form, because whilst they're hearing that, oh, this massage therapist was breaking down knots of my hamstrings the other day, and they're not going to even, they don't consider you as, this is why we're not allied health professionals. We're not even health professionals, not even allowed to use the word diagnosed because there's a lot of rubbish, which is traditionally kind of taught. But if you're sending people out saying, I suspect there's maybe a rheumatologic um, condition going on here because of blah, 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 bam, that person you're referring to is really going to respect you. And you're going to be the little fish in a big pool. You're going to be the one who they can then send people back to you. So good business model, which is important to remember. Right, we've got a few questions, which is lovely to see. So if it's right with you, Jack, let's just scan back a bit in the comments. Remember, if you listen to the podcast, do join us live eight o'clock um, UK time. You can ask questions to our guests. Let's have a little look. Um, Becky Carroll says, I'll bring it up on the screen as well. I think I'm right in saying that RA is generally diagnosed if your markers are higher than 20? Is it possible to be around the 15 to 18 level and yet still be symptomatic of RA? I'm going to make some guesses here, Becky. Um, so I'm guessing that you're talking about inflammatory markers. Um, so the uh, the inflammatory markers um, can be normal and still have rheumatoid arthritis. Um, if the uh, there's also more specific markers, so. Um, there's a, an autoantibody. So an autoantibody is an antibody directed against the self. Um, so it's you know not directed at COVID or whatever other illnesses you might come into contact with. Uh, it's directed against your tissue. So the one in rheumatoid arthritis is anti-CCP. Um, and so that either comes back positive or negative, but will come back higher or lower. But that's uh, a lot higher than 15 to 18. So I'm guessing it's CRP and ESR that she's mentioning. Um, so it's more around the symptoms that are presenting. And this is what makes it complex. So you can have some patients who have big, red, hot, swollen, stiff joints, uh, both hands, both feet, both knees, both ankles affected, um, but their ESR and CRP levels are normal. So as um, Becky says, below 20. And then other patients that don't have anywhere near those symptoms, um, they've just got maybe just a little bit of a stiff hand and it turns out their CRP is 100 and their ESRs are 80. Um, so it, it's more to do with what the symptoms are and that's what makes it a lot of complexity. Um, so I wouldn't be overly concerned about the blood results in all honesty. Um, I'm concerned about them when if I'm working in rheumatology specifically, um, the rheumatologist would be concerned about them. Uh, I, I, in MSK, I wouldn't be. I'd go with symptoms, really. There you go, Becky. Come back if you need a follow up to that. Um, Catherine Reimer, happy birthday again, Catherine, has asked, are there links to IBS and other bowel issues that relate to rheumatoid arthritis? Um, OK, so two parts again. So IBS is a really difficult one. IBS, as in irritable bowel syndrome, doesn't link to inflammatory conditions, it, it, as in, as far as I understand it, it's not inflammatory in nature in the same way that Crohn's and colitis are. Um, uh, so that's ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. However, if IBS, it has not been investigated, then there's always a little bit in the back of my mind as going, you know, I'm not a gastroenterologist, said a lot of things i'm not I'm um not a gastroenterologist who am i to say that ibs isn't crohn's disease or colitis so i would be a little bit you know unless if it's been investigated by gastroenterology and they're like yes it's ibs it's none of those other things then i would discount it the other thing is 
we get into complexity again. The gut issues are not necessarily related to rheumatoid arthritis. So Crohn's and colitis, you're much more likely to get the spondyloarthritis issues. You're much more likely to get ankylosing spondylitis or the psoriatic arthritis type diseases, not rheumatoid arthritis. However, everybody's a unique individual and there will be some patients who have Crohn's and, or colitis and rheumatoid arthritis. Um, so if they have another inflammatory disease, they are more likely to get another inflammatory disease, um, but they, it's not the true link like it is with the spondyloarthritis. But we're getting a bit technical there. Uh, great answer, Catherine. If that's um, I got any follow-ups to that, Catherine, then obviously um, let's fire another question our way. Becky's back again. She, Becky was interested to know. Uh, she says, sorry, me again. Don't apologise, Becky. Fire away. Um, why is the magic time two to three o'clock? Yeah, great question. So when you go to sleep, uh, your body systems take a rest, like much like the rest of you, and so you, so does your inflammatory system. And then um, around two or three a.m., it kicks back in again, ready to protect you from the world um, the next day. So patients tend to have no symptoms up until two or three a.m. The inflammatory system kicks back in again, starts reacting against what it's reacting against, and all of a sudden you realise, oh my god, my hands really hurt or my back really hurts, and it wakes you up out of your sleep, and you're like, ah. And then you want to do something about it. There you go. It's worth watching the live show just to get the facial expressions and the kind of like hand <laughs> gestures which are happening tonight. And also, this is really good for anybody listening back, but I hope everybody's noticing my Hogwarts, which Matt laughed at. Um, I didn't laugh and, at it. And it if you want friend. to be really specific, that is just the astronomy tower and I have to get the Great Hall to attach to it. Yet. It's a 3D puzzle. I have no, nothing better to do with my time. We should mention at this point and congratulate this geek here that he's actually got a four-week-old baby. Congratulations, Jack. There we go. We have some Thanks. R's and congratulations in the comments coming in, I'm sure. Four weeks. Oh, look at that. Well done, mate. Congratulations. Um, Catherine Rhyme has come back here with... Da -da -da -da. I find rest does make my costochondritis worse, linked, I think, to my RA. Uh, movement does help and doesn't stop me lifting weights. Very common, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so really surprised. You'd be really surprised people come in. They'll sit in your waiting room and they'll be like, they'll get up and they'll be like, really stiff. They can't move anything. And you're like, oh, how do you do anything? They're like, oh, I'm fine in the gym. Lifting weights, deadlifting, running, all this sort of stuff. It's only when I sit down that it's really bad. Then you're like, bing, that's rheumatology. Um, Explain costochondritis for people who may be listening who aren't quite sure what that long word means. Uh, it's inf <laughs> inflama inflammation of the joint between your rib and your uh, sternum or spine. Causes? Or is that um, causes the inflammatory arthritis. Um, what a lot of people would probably call a sprained rib from coughing can often be okay. costochondritis. So you cough a lot and then you get an inflammatory reaction around the uh, rib. It, it does occasionally occur on its own right up it's an awful condition nothing really works uh to change it sometimes a little bit of mobilization can help but just as many times makes it ton worse horrible condition mm -hmm. yeah really really difficult to manage um thanks Catherine, for sharing that um let's have a little look andy glover comes uh, back to answer a question to becky this is a lovely thing about joining us live you can answer your own questions with each other inside <laughs> the, the room yeah, andy glover said, <laughs> i believe the immune system becomes very active at that time happy to be wrong Yep, very good answer. Um, so there you go. Liz Bailey um, has uh, asked or stated, I'm sure I missed inflammatory back pain in a young guy with bilateral AT pain years ago and inflammatory PF in someone else. 
I only realized once I'd done Jack's course, annoyingly, <laughs> annoyingly, it's really good. Oh, checks in the post, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so just to mention Jack's course, thanks, Liz, for bringing it up. Um, but yeah, so Jack, you have got, I mean, first of all, people who aren't aware, I, all the my guests I've had throughout this month have focused on CPD. have got fantastic websites where um, you guys are just giving away such valuable information. Um, and yours is no exception to it. Um, let me just bring that up in a little picture there. Um, sorry, Liz, your comments going to disappear for a sec. So, yeah, if you head um, along to um, rheumatology.physio, clever website name that is. It's not like .co.uk or anything. No, no, no. It's rheumatology.physio. And you'll find, obviously, details about Jack's courses, um, which if you're listening to the podcast, just because you can't see the screen, um, we've got – let's have a little check here, my crib sheet. So online – um, there's Recognising Rheumatology, a half day on the 12th of April. In Birmingham, there's Recognising Rheumatology, which is a full day because it's face-to-face. And that's on the 7th of May. And then in Exeter on the 9th of July, um, you've got another face-to-face full day, Recognising Rheumatology. Um, and all of these courses are accredited and uh, recognised by Liz Bailey, and dance physio extraordinaire. So if you've got any problems with them, just take it out with her. Uh, B-A-Y-L-E-Y, just in case um, you don't want to make her mad about that. So, yeah, but as well on the website, um, you've got a fantastic blog. You've got um, resources. You've got all sorts of things. Some of them are pay, obviously, but some of them are free. And it gives you a good insight into what the whole thing is about. Um, lovely website there. And at the bottom, you can see what a nice bloke Jack is. It's like website front page. Hi, I'm Jack March. Beautiful. It's great. So, and also before I forget, mate, you've also got the um, audio book, haven't you? Downloadable. Yeah, there's an audio book. You name it, I've done a few things. I've got books, audio, uh, audio book. The audio book's funny because I think it's got really, really good content in it. However, when I recorded it, I didn't really know what I was doing. So you're just basically listening to my voice be quite slow really so, selling it here yeah go i on. know but the content's great so oh. you just have to put like i th- i think ideally you put it on like 1.4 times speed or something uh. like that and i think it's going to be really really good okay well, there you go um but yeah loads of resources there and again whenever people are saying all oh, these conversations on social media what cbd should i do and you like got this burning desire to spend five six hundred pounds someone a course there's some amazing courses out there like recognizing rheumatology one day course or half day online but take advantage of the free stuff which these guys put out as well you know and, and things even things like this just coming on this week um it's such, such a great way to learn things um from different specialists so uh, yeah rheumatology.physio anyway let's get rid of that for the moment um let's see if we've got some more questions um from the live lounge here um bum, 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 bum. leslie campbell Jack, I mostly get uh, lower back pain clients. Which of your books is best for me to have? Oh, Leslie, I'll give you a check as well. <laughs> I'll tell you what, look. What have I got here? Here we go, look. So I do some little books like this. Oh, it's going to be backwards on the webcam. But um, I do uh, four or five of these. I can't remember now. But I've got one which is rheumatology. I'm going I'm I'm to be naughty and show you the... Um, Axbar page, although it's backwards, so it should be good. But basically, it gives you the symptoms, um, what to suspect of an axial spondyloarthritis. Uh, Ten conditions in there. We've also just done with Adam Dobson. We've done some. Uh, we did ridiculous um, syndromes. 
uh, for the low back. Um, and then the other one, which I think is my favourite, actually. Um, and all I've got is the one that I mistakenly messed up with printing. But um, this is a um, clinical scenarios book. Right. So this is available as an ebook. You can't get it hard print because what you'll notice if you're really clever is I printed it back to front. So the thank you is the front page, which is really stupid. Um, but uh, so it goes thank you and then preface. <laughs> was that like just a little spin or something new, or was it just a genuine mistake? I just totally messed up the formatting of the front page. <laughs> so it's just bad. So it's completely useless. It's nice though. No, it works nicely. Yeah. Thank you. Start uh, with a direct address. Um, but I, that's my favorite one because um, I wrote it um, and it's got about 16 clinical scenarios in it. So what it does is it takes you through how the patient's presenting. So we talked about asking questions. It gives you some of the subjective information that they're presenting with and then what it does is it you know it says you know what would you think might be the problem and then what i've done is underneath i've written this could indicate this and you should do this with it um and i really like that one uh, it's my personal favorite one uh, and i think for some reason it's the cheapest one as an ebook as well as like five pounds or something ridiculous maybe because of the um, printing yeah no, well that's yeah maybe um <laughs> but yeah i um i really like those but yeah the mm. rheumatology one um was is, is good and then that clinical scenario is one's the best one i think let's um thank you for a great question leslie and keep the questions coming it's great people thank you very much and um, we're coming kind of closer to the the bewitching hour of nine o'clock and the end of the show but um so people are coming in you mentioned a few ways which they you can ask the right questions concentrate on the subjective refer to um a rheumatology specialist if you're not sure about it um what about When you do refer people on, because it's nice to know if you are referring people on, what sort of attention are they going to get then? Is there, is there, we know there's a lack of diagnosis and people can suffer unnecessarily, but what kind of solutions are they if they do go on and reach mm. that specialist um, kind of care? What sort of, how can they improve their quality of life? Yeah, so it's really good these days. So um, certainly last, when did I, I started in rheumatology 2011. Um, no, I don't look that old, Matt. You're right. Um, <laughs> miles away, <laughs> uh, and that was when the, the newer medications were just starting to take hold, really. Um, and certainly over that period of time, it's got it's got really good. They started new treatment regimes. So certainly, the last five to ten years or so, um, the aim is to get people back to full function and no disease at all, or well, no symptoms. Um, so really good, especially the earlier you pick them up the better their outcomes are going to be, the less medications they need, all those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, they do very, very well these days. So um, taking your question ever so slightly further, I would say, I would say you know, um, if I suspect these conditions, I'll say something like, uh, yeah, I'll be quite specific because I'm nerdy and I'd like to be like that, but uh, you might not want to be quite so specific and be held to things. Uh, but I'll say, you know, I think you might have psoriatic arthritis or these symptoms lead me to believe that might be what's causing these symptoms and um what i want to do is get you further investigated to rule in or rule out more than the likelihood of that and we're going to do that by wherever it might be via the gp in the first instance uh, it might be a private rheumatologist it might be if you're in a referring role straight to rheumatology uh we we're going to do that and uh, that'll involve probably some blood tests maybe some x-rays maybe an mri i'm not sure that's not my job to do the investigations but um, they'll do do a thorough workup and work out whether this 
is causing it or something very similar is causing the problem. Hopefully it isn't, in which case, great, we'll treat it. If it is, they'll tell you what the next steps are. It usually involves medications. They are extremely effective. And I would expect that you would get back to all your hobbies, all your work, ideally zero symptoms whatsoever. Um, and how that course takes is very individual, but hopefully that's where you'll get to. Um, and usually I find, you know, sometimes it take a little bit longer than that um, to say those things, but um, usually I find that reassures most people uh, that that's, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. So even though it gets missed a lot and people go through unnecessary kind of pain for a long, long time, if they do get referred on, thanks to maybe you, then um, I'm talking about the audience listening to this, then you could sort them out and change the quality of life pretty quickly. That's a good, that's good to hear. Um, I just thought as well, do you by any chance, this isn't a leading question. I really have no idea to the answer to this, but a few of the other guests we've talked about, like pelvic health with Emma um, and Grenier, for example, are producing Instagrams, Instagrams, are producing infograms. Um, have you got involved in that little plastified, laminated sort of things that soft tissue therapists could have in their clinic to show patients what they're talking about when they say, look, I've noticed you said this and that? Because that gives, I think, sometimes therapists a bit of confidence to have posters and things up. Is that something you yeah, thought about? I, I, I have. And, and the little booklet I showed you started off like that. And what right. I did, because of the overlapping nature, it was unusable mess. And it mm -hmm. turned into the book eventually. Mm. Um, I'm not an artistic person. Um, so uh, it's not my area of expertise to do those kinds of things. I have seen some flow charts um, mm. for spondylitis and um, rheumatoid arthritis. There are some, uh, there are also some scoring algorithms that can be used. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, find this on my website as well, um, which could give some graphs. So for osteoporosis, for example, gives you a risk graph. Um, axial spondyloarthritis and psoriatic arthritis, you can get a risk graph. So you can tick the boxes and it will say, you know, this is what we should do. Um, so there are a few things like that. But no, I haven't made anything like that. But That's okay. each time I, yeah, each time I try and do it, it gets into her. It gets so complicated, I stop doing it um, but maybe like you're maybe just a copy of a book should probably cover quite a lot of it but just giving having that backup so you're not having to remember yourself as a as somebody who's not doesn't know anything absolutely. about it just be able to flick through the pages and just read things and kind of fake it until you are that familiar with it just to have that confidence that's what i do i use my books yeah. of course you got to and also so i think it's a hopefully it's a common theme i like to think that clinics and people who have joined us live let me know but the new style clinic as opposed to having kind of like things which could cause catastrophization and stuff like kind of like menisci separated from the knee and kind of lying down or big kind of spines with red dots and donuts and things if you can have nice modern kind of friendly to see explanations in diagram form of what's going on they could be really useful around your clinic especially in kind of the waiting area and stuff and create that impression and that truth that you are part of a chain of healthcare you're not going to cure these things but you, you know about them you're looking out for them and you're referring on if necessary i think that'd be really cool um to do people um you're just not going to get them from jack but um <laughs> but they are out there um cool okay um nine o'clock mate i just want to quickly i don't want to let you go before is there any other specific You'd have to go into what causes them too much or what other conditions do you think people might be walking through our door as soft tissue therapists, which we should maybe read into and know a little bit more about. Um, yeah. 
which yeah, is... so we've, we've talked about psoriatic arthritis. It's, yep. uh, that would tend to present mostly in the periphery, so hands and feet and elbows and knees. Uh, axial is axial spondyloarthritis. Is it's like spinal cousin, like spinal friend. Uh, so similar sort of presentation in the spine and the buttocks. Um, then I would be. Uh, I mentioned this just before, and I, I'm glad you've reminded me. But polymyalgia rheumatica, um, mm-hmm. which presents with quite diffuse upper trunk, shoulder, girdle type pain i can really imagine that someone who wakes up with early onset early days polymyalgia rheumatica is going oh my shoulders and back are really stiff and achy i really want a massage like, i really think that that's a prime thing that might come in um i did a there's a, a really good podcast with me uh but uh, with a with a great guest um and um, we, that's been probably my po- most popular podcast on uh, polymyalgia rheumatica. So that's on the website. It's also on my on YouTube channel. Just type rheumatology physio in wherever, and I do come up. But I'd say polymyalgia rheumatica actually is probably quite high, and people might may not have heard of it or don't know what it is. But I think for massage specifically, I think people are potentially going to come in. I think less likely with things like rheumatoid arthritis because they're angry, red hot joints in the fingers. Uh, and feet and I think people too tend to go to the GP because of, of the angry nature of it um, uh, more likely than that um, but that should cover I say on my courses you know I go into some other other diseases and things uh, lupus and Sjogren's syndrome connective tissue disorders but to be honest they're less common and as long as you're aware of inflammatory type patterns like we talked about the associated inflammatory diseases that make those more likely then they're still going to trigger your thought power process for this might be inflammatory and i should get this investigated um you know lots and lots of joints involved or widespread or arms and legs i'm always interested in and those kinds of things you'll be you'll be pretty close fantastic there we go so if people if this is um kind of sparks your interest in being able to help um, the many people who are probably walking through your door and may need referring to um, a rheumatoid specialist of some form, then, um, yeah, Jack's courses, like we say, are happening in a city near you um, in the not-too-distant future. So we've got um, the online version, um, which is 12th of April, and then in Birmingham, uh, 7th of May, full day, face-to-face, and then Exeter, 9th of July. We'll make sure that they will go into the show notes I think, as well. I think I'm going to Belgium as well, if anybody wants oh, to really? come to Belgium. Really? see that on your website. Okay. Uh, I don't think I've managed to get it on. I think it's in October. Oh. If anybody wants to come see, come and have a, have a what are they, a lefe? Have a lefe and talk about, <laughs> <laughs> talk about lupus. Exclusively, uh, yeah, bombshell on the Sports Therapy Association podcast. <laughs> Matt Scarsbrook didn't get that sort of uh, revelation. So, yeah, first hearing it here, Belgium date, which will go on the website very shortly. Right, amazing, Jack. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you for joining us, people. Catherine Rymus says, interesting discussion. Thanks, Jack and Matt. Thank you very much. Phil Griffiths has said, thank you, Matt and Jack. Really informative. Thanks for including me in this, guys. Uh, Becky Carroll says, thank Jack, Jack and Matt. Very nice. Um, no, but thank you, jo- uh, people, for joining us live. And if you yeah. listen to the podcast, thank you very much as well. Um, do try and leave um, a review and a rating if you've enjoyed the podcast because it just helps the information which our fantastic guests um, give um, for free to appear higher up in Google. And that's what it's all about. It's about disseminating this information um, and letting people know. So, Jack, if you'd be so kind to hang around, um, just so I can say thank you personally. Everybody else, um, we'll be back uh, next Tuesday with we've got a new topic of course we have because it's April 
and um april is going to be you might have seen it advertised on my social media but we're going to be doing sleep awareness month it's all about sleep um and it's a huge thing we mentioned sleep tonight asking the questions about how's your sleep straight away with that question potentially if they're talking about waking up at a specific time then that could be linked to a a rheumatologic condition but there's plenty more about sleep which anyone who follows me on run chat live has been um kind of listening to probably i did a sleep study myself for five weeks where i was hooked up with a a in-home polysomnogram system measuring brain waves measuring the different stages of sleep rapid eye movement all these sort of things um with the wonderful people in canada and the company called cerebra so the results to my five week um in-home polysomnogram are going to be revealed at the end of april with um, amy bender dr amy bender who's the uh director of clinical sleep at cerebra but before that happens in april uh, we're going to start off with uh jess cook who or jesse cook i'm really looking forward to chatting to seems like a really um interesting passionate guy so passionate about sleep um, and he's gonna be opening up the show or the month rather with sleep the silent epidemic which sounds like a little bit of clickbait but i, I urge you to check in um with this episode in particular because it'll open the whole thing about why we're having like national sleep months why i'm so interested in sleep now rather not just about my own personal struggles i've had with insomnia and stuff but just across the nation in the healthcare system it's going to be growing um it's going to become more apparent of what a foundation kind of it is to everything else um if you're not getting either good quality or quantity so i urge you if you listen to podcasts or joining us live to check that out um Part two will be the second week of April with um, Dr. Olivia Walsh talking specifically about sleep trackers. Quite a few of you using kind of Fitbits and Oura rings and kind of other kind of wearables, which vary from. um, You're going to hear basically about how much they are helping you, how accurate they are, how useful they are. And there might be a few surprises there. Um, so tune in for that. The third week is going to be with Dr. Jonathan Charest talking about specific for injury performance, about how sleep is related to that and how you need to be having these conversations with your athletes or recreational athletes. And then, like I say, we'll finish off in the fourth week of April with Dr. Amy M. Bender, <coughs> who by then will have analysed um, 35 nights. Actually, it's not 35 nights, it's about 32, because I've got this. I suffer, or not suffer, I, I have this kind of... Um, technical word for it is somniambulation where i i move in my sleep um and it's a trait i've had um, since birth i think um but you're like this jack my wife wakes me up because i'm lying there in bed i'm fast asleep but my arm is up in the air and i'm just stroking my arm up and down whilst i'm fast asleep i'm just basically a self-stroker while i sleep so we'll be talking to dr amy bender about that um and different kind of sleep disorders um um yeah at the end of april so there we go um but until then um do please um download podcasts there's so many episodes there um i'd just like to say thank you once again to jack march for joining us thank you jack and um we'll see you all next week tuesday at eight o'clock which is gmt plus one if you're listening from outside the uk right take care people and we'll see you then you're listening to the sports therapy association podcast Let's talk about it.